Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. George has going on called Failing Forward. So Failing Forward Unlimited Grace, the scripture is going to be up there for everyone as well. But I'm going to jump right in, starting in Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We pray, Lord God, that your word will go forth and do that which you have intended for it to do. We ask that you have your way here in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, there's no surprise that I start in the book of Genesis, and particularly this particular scripture that I just read. And I was joking to myself as I prepared this message. I said, well, by the time I retire... I should probably have a degree in this particular scripture from the School of the Holy Spirit. And that's because I feel like in order to understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, you must go back to the beginning and fully understand what we had and what we lost. So starting from the very beginning, in the beginning, we know that God created the world. Everything on this earth he created he created the sun, the moon, the stars, but he created human beings, he created the animals, and he created this garden. In this garden, man was going to have a place to live, he has shelter there, he was going to have food, and there was one more thing that he was going to have in this garden, and that was work. So there was going to be purpose for him and the woman in the garden. This purpose was to rule over all that God had created. But just as a side note, we are not talking about rulership as we think of rulership. We look at the scriptures from this fallen mindset, and so we think 
a certain kind of way about it. But God, when Jesus Christ came, he teaches us a little bit about what the kingdom of God is like. It is not always what we think it is. So just using this scripture from Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them aside, speaking to his disciples. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their superiors exercise authority over them. It shall not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So here, even though it's one sentence in a sense or one to two verses, Jesus explains a little bit about the kingdom. It's not what we think it to be when it comes to rulership. And so when we're thinking about Adam and Eve and the work that God had given to them to do, it wasn't to lord it over what he had created. He made him to actually be a servant in the garden. And so this servanthood that Adam and Eve now have, it was great responsibility. But God gave them grace to do it, and he made them successful in it. In Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So think about this scene a little bit. It's actually a beautiful scene. It's a peaceful scene. It's not what we think about when we think about work. In a sense, we get exhausted. Whether you work from home or you go to a building and you come back home, there's a sense of, I want to get home. I want to be done with the day. I don't know. Some of you guys may change your clothes or not, but you just plop on the couch and just watch mindless television at the end of the day. You just want to go straight to bed afterwards. Well, this is not the scene we get from Adam and, scene, Adam and Eve, I'm sorry. You get this sense of they want to do this work, right? They are enjoying what they do. So maybe they go talk to some animals during the day or some trees. And then afterwards, they come back to their hammock, which made out of leaves, most likely. And they sit on it, relax, eat some lettuce with avocados mixed with it. Or, and maybe even crush, exactly. And maybe even crush some grapes and make some wine and drink it in the cool of the day when God comes and fellowships with them. And maybe even sitting by the beach because, you know, they can choose whatever they can do at this point. So God comes and fellowships with them. That's what I think of when I'm thinking about the work that they were given in a sense. Unfortunately, the scene doesn't last long. We know at some point, Adam and Eve failed the task that God gave to them. The fact remains that God gave everything on this earth over to Adam except one tree. He was to tend to this tree like every other tree in the garden. He was going to put work into this tree. But he could not eat the fruits that this particular tree produced. Genesis 2.15 says, 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Side note here, though, if you pick up on it, there was someone not here when God gave this commandment. The next verse picks up in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for men to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. But no worries, though, I will come back to this. So please don't close your minds on this here. I want to focus more about the tree. See, what did this tree represent? Some people call this tree a tithe. And my accent is there, so it's not the leg tie, okay? It's ties, like T-I-T-H-E-S. Thank you. So there is a portion, <laughs> there's a portion of your income that you can give back to God. But that's not what I'm going with or where I'm going with with this particular example here. I'm talking about this tree being a test. Why was it there? Why would God do that? Why, if God be all knowing, would allow a tree that would change the life of man completely, messing up his divine plan and purpose for mankind by placing it in the garden? Why would God test man? That was all introduction. The point here is, why are we tested? Because we have free will. See, God made human beings with a choice. It is our will to do what is right or what is wrong. He gave us the ability to choose. And that is why we are tested. It doesn't seem so clear in the beginning because life was perfect. And this tree, it turned out to be the worst thing possible because of the curse that follows but it was because of the failure of the test. Most of us probably believe it should never have been there because it turned our perfect world into a sin-filled, suffering world, which most of us have experienced. But what God did was good. Like the beginning of the story says, everything that God created was good, but we chose wrong. So it wasn't that it was wrong for the tree to be there or that we shouldn't have been tested. It was that we made the wrong choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses, I've given you choices, and those choices are between life and death. Blessings and curses. But I also gave you the answer to the test. I say, choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live. I work at a bank. And every year, the managers start to get a little nervous. And that's because of something called audits. 
And recently, Chris kind of went through that, so he knows that experience. So, so typically, an auditor is someone who comes out and asks the employees questions. They look through your books. They check your keys and combinations. They want to make sure that you're following the policies and procedures of the bank. And if you don't know the answers to the questions, you can look it up online. So it's essentially an open book test if you don't know your job on a day-to-day -day basis. But regardless, you can actually still fail the tests. You would be surprised that branches fail their tests. Just like you are more familiar with restaurants who fail inspection. You see the, the grades on the board. The same way Adam and Eve failed their tests. Granted, they didn't know when that test was going to come. But God did give Adam and Eve tremendous responsibility and free will. So he knew they were going to be tested. He just didn't tell them when. But he gave them the answer to the test. Genesis 3.2 says, The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and look at this one little section here, and you must not touch it or you will die. I mentioned earlier about Adam and Eve and how he was given this command and she wasn't there. And that could be for different reasons, maybe because he was created first and there was a time in between her creation, so he was left to roam the earth a little bit longer than she was. So God didn't want him doing something he shouldn't be doing, you know? So he tells him not to do this. But when Eve got the command, we don't know, maybe when he created Eve, he told her, hey, you know, do not eat of this fruit. And he said, you know what, it made you a little different than Adam, so I just tell you, don't touch it. He told Adam, don't eat it, but he told Eve, don't touch it, <laughs> you know? So we're a little different. Or maybe he gave Eve over to Adam and, you know, like most of you guys are familiar, you meet this girl who's going to be your lady forever or your girlfriend and you want to show her everything. So you show her your apartment, where you eat, where you do your laundry, everything. So Adam now has Eve and he takes her through his kingdom, the whole of the, the garden. And he says, this tiger I name, no, this animal I name a tiger. And this tiger goes, Rawr. you know, it's like he explains everything about the garden. And then he goes to the tree and he says, this tree, do not touch it. And if she is Eve is anything like me, and I suppose other women out there, you would say, but why? Why can't I touch this tree? And so he says, woman, I said, do not touch this tree because God said, if you touch it or eat the fruits, you will die. Regardless of how she got the information, we knew she knew the answer to the test, for she was well-versed when she spoke to Satan and said to him, we may not touch this tree or eat of it or we would die. Sorry. But she made a decision for herself. She saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye desirable for gaining wisdom, and so she took it, ate it, gave some to her husband who was aided, and they both failed the test. 
So having choices, which is part of being humans, means there is a wrong and a right answer. You are tested because you have choices. Without the tree in the middle of the garden, man would not have the choice to choose between what God said and what Satan said. Man had free will, and the tree in the middle of the garden was proof of man's free will. And I'll take a second and breathe and say, I understand what George goes through when he gets thirsty. My lips is getting stuck together. Okay, so what happens when we fail the test? How are we to fail forward? I know the question is weird because if most of you are familiar with taking exams and taking exams for the next level, when you pass an exam, you move to the next grade. But if you have failed an exam and not given the opportunity to retake that exam, you can be left behind. No pun intended to the Left Behind series with Kirk Cameron, if you guys are familiar with it. But regardless, in all seriousness, if you fail the test, time is lost. If you fail the test, relationships are broken. Families and homes are destroyed. In our minds, there is no going back. There is only loss. But as I mentioned to you before, to encourage you, the kingdom of God does operate differently than the kingdom of this world. I mentioned how Jesus speaks about rulerships in the beginning. It's different than we think of rulerships. It's not dictatorships and monarchies and managers and bosses, how they lord it over people. It's different. It's servanthood. And if you ask Pastor George, he may tell you being a servant, he feels more of being a servant to revive than you would the glory and honor of being a pastor. The kingdom of God operates differently. Likewise, how can the least be the greatest? Or if, you're, if you give, God says you have more left back. It doesn't make sense. Likewise, how could one fail but forward in life? Well, I have two ways to answer this question to you or for you. The first one is Romans 8.28. It's God's will. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I was speaking, yeah, I'm sorry, I was going <laughs> to, I was speaking to one of our managers um, several years ago, thank you, explaining spiritual realities, which you can find in the book of Ephesians. And so I explained that in the spiritual world, because Jesus Christ came and died and ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit is now working in the believer's life. So that which is in the spirit realm can now be manifested in the physical realm in those believers' lives. And so just for an example, to explain this further, I'm going to use Chris. <laughs> he gives me the eye. I'm going to use him. So some, I think some of you guys may have been in the situation before where you, you wake and you, or you rise and then you sleep. You rise and sleep and have this feeling inside of you that this is not what God wants you to be. 
And so he was an electrician, and nothing is wrong with being an electrician, but it wasn't God's calling for his life. So he had this feeling in him, and so he heard the Holy Spirit, I should say, just on a regular basis. He decided to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in going back to school. And mind you, when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, it's not always easy. So he pressed and he pushed and pressed and he pushed and pressed and he pushed through school because it was hard. But then he graduated with his bachelor's degree with excellent grades. And while it could have been ended there, there's more to the story. Because opportunities and doors open up for him to since he was interested in pursuing now his master's, possibly his doctorate degree, other schools was interested in extending scholarships for him to attend their school and possibly get job offers through their schools as well. But with that opportunity came a visitation from the past. And so he's thinking to himself that 15 plus years ago, he was given a similar opportunity See, he went to a specialized high school, and he didn't have to work as hard as recently to when he went back to school, but in high school, he got good grades too. And so a prestigious college named MIT was interested in him and was offering somewhat of a similar opportunity for him. And I will take a lot of liberty here. No, please don't judge me for saying the things I'm going to say, and he's going to have to forgive me afterwards. But he decided for whatever reason to not go to MIT, and I would say that he didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, okay? That's why I said forgive me here. So because he didn't listen, he fell short of what God wanted for him. And so when that happens, time is lost. Pain and suffering in ways that you wouldn't have had to experience, he experienced. But because he listened now, God brought him back to where he was supposed to be this time around. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He has your end in mind. He doesn't want you to experience the pain and the suffering that is below his will. He wants the best for you. But if you would listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will bring you back to where he intends for you to be. The second way is through his grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, I think to understand failing forward, we have to see God's grace with Adam and Eve and how God fixed it and caused them to fail forward. And that is through Jesus Christ. See, Christ would not have had to come into this world if it wasn't for Adam and Eve's failure. But likewise, you can argue that he wouldn't have had to come into the world if it wasn't for their failure. I get it. There's two ways to that. It could be a good thing. You could think about it. Or it could be like, oh, he didn't have to do all of this. But through their mistakes, we were able to see God's, our will, what God has given to us, our free will. But what about God's free will? 
See, he knew what we were capable of. He had every reason, every opportunity by the flip of the finger, not the middle finger. He could have snapped us away like Thanos in the Avengers did. But God loved us. Instead, as God the Father John 3.16 says he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As Christ Jesus, the son, Christ chose to suffer and die for us, knowing that his life on this earth was pure suffering and he was going to be rejected. Hebrews 10.5 says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And through the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know what that means? It means that we are going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How? Because the Holy Spirit, even though God knew that we were going to do this, he still gave us the Holy Spirit. So God sent his son. He knew that people weren't going to accept him. Christ Jesus came. He knew that people were going to be rejecting him. And for those who accepted him, we're going to have the Holy Spirit living in them. And still we were going to hurt others or hurt ourselves. And the Holy Spirit was going to be grieved. But yet still he did all of those things because he loved us. So no, God does not want you to fail. He doesn't want you to experience hurt or pain. That's why he gives you the answer to the test. But regardless, if you did fail, there is hope and there's grace. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Because of Adam and Eve's failure, we can see God's love for us. So in conclusion, that was actually conclusion, but as our worship team comes back to us, I just want to leave you with one question. And that question is, we know that God used his free will to love us. So just like in the dating apps, you may actually see when you're scrolling through those apps, people may choose you, but you don't have to choose them back. So my question is, will you use your free will to choose God back, knowing that he has chosen you?